On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we are talking tennis. The Dallas Open is back for a second installment starting on February 4th. Got a great lineup of guests for you. This is season three, episode one. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Drop Dallas, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, along with the executive director of the Sports Commission, Monica Paul, and our on-air producer, Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening, for watching on YouTube, for following us. If you like what we're doing here, there's no other podcast quite like Mike Drop Dallas, where we break down all the movers and shakers in uh, Dallas sports and sports business. If you like what we're doing, please give us a five-star review. That would help. Monica, welcome back. Season three, episode one. Hope you had a great break. What are your goals, priorities, hopes, wishes, dreams, and aspirations for 2023 at the Dallas Sports Commission? Well, Sully, so great to be back for uh, the start of season three. And I did enjoy my break. I'm not going to lie there. Um, a lot of things, I think, our goals, priorities, obviously World Cup, uh, we can start right off the bat there now that Qatar uh, and the World Cup of 2022 is over. All kind of eyes go to North America um, and for us uh, here locally. Uh, it's really focused on uh, setting up our host committee, getting staff in place in certain areas that we think we need uh, some help with or, uh, you know, some strategy around uh, so that we can deliver a very successful World Cup in 2026 and not only meet FIFA's goals, but our goals from a local standpoint as well. Um, really deep into Women's Final Four. So we host the, that March 31st through April 2nd, Division One, Two, and Three championships taking place there. So uh, really finding fine-tuning a lot of our legacy initiatives, our court restoration and renovation, read to the Final Four project um, is kicking off here in, in January. We've got... Um, uh, some legends and and legacy components that will be taking place and looking for people that uh, we're seeking nominations for from an award standpoint. Uh, and then really going to be honing in on the ancillary events that take place around the Women's Final Four. Ticket sales were very, very strong for the Division One championships, uh, but there are a lot of ancillary events in Turney Town and, and the bounce where the community really gets to get a taste of what a Women's Final Four is and women's sports and just the overall celebration uh, of the culmination of the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Pretty special to be hosting that here in Dallas. Uh, and then the really pushing tickets for Division Two and Division Three championships that take place on that Saturday, April 1st at the American Airlines Center. So uh, probably the top two things, uh, but I can also say that ending last year and even the, the first few weeks of uh, 2023, uh, a lot of focus will be on international soccer outside of the World Cup. Um, you know, there are a lot, a lot of different opportunities that are taking shape. Uh, and I, I kind of foresee that over the next three years as we go into 2026. But uh, even on the youth side of things, professional international side, uh, and, and even international sports in general, now that we've been named a host for World Cup 2026, a lot of additional interest from other sports to come to the United States to actually honing in on Dallas. For numerous reasons, and most people know what they are because it's one of the reasons why we love living here uh, ourselves as Dallas residents. So, um, yeah. 
And we host, you know, 70 to 85 events a year. So uh, it's about to be cheerleading season and volleyball season and VEX Robotics World Championships on the youth amateur side of things. So um, excited for, for 2023. 2020, 2022 was kind of a whirlwind and had a, high, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, but um, I, I think uh, I think we're going to have a good 2023 as well. I think some... Uh, other major events that we have the opportunity to to, to bid on, and uh, it may take a few years for us to secure them, but uh, always up for the challenge. Now, one thing we know about Dallas is the sports community, the business community, always rally around these big events. We love big events in Dallas. So who are some of your key partners on the Women's Final Four coming up in, in March? Yeah, Either, well, you know, and both on the on the corporate side, but also you mentioned the legacy projects and court restorations and those kind of things. Yeah, so, well, Big 12 Conference is our host institution, so uh, we couldn't be hosting a, a Women's Final Four without them, and a, a little bit unique this time because we do have that Division Two and Division Three uh, championship as well. We've got University of Texas at Dallas and University of Dallas, as well as Texas Women's University, all coming in as our Division Two, II, Division Three uh, host institutions as well, so, um, but uh, a lot of great initiatives, both the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Wings uh, have have really made a huge impact and will here over these next three weeks or three months, rather, uh, in terms of uh, additional things that they're doing through the Women's Final Four in the community. But uh, from a from a court standpoint and court restoration, um, working really hand in hand with uh, the NCAA and some of their corporate partners and corporate champions. So uh, Unilever is is coming on board uh, to help us with our court restoration and provide the funding with that, along as with with some from a sports commission standpoint. But Park, Dallas Parks and Rec, City of Dallas, uh, HEB uh, is going to be doing a initiative, uh, kind of a cleanup uh, of the park that was selected over in in West Dallas. So really excited about that initiative. AT and T, uh, another one of the NCA's corporate partners and champions. Obviously, calls Dallas home on uh, has their new uh, AT and T Discovery District, uh, which once we kind of announce some of the uh, ancillary events, AT and T Discovery District will be a key kind of feature um, within our city over Women's Final Four, and uh, because of you know the strong ties amongst all both NCA and the city and the Sports Commission, uh, AT and T is going to be doing some stuff, some special stuff. So they've really uh, come in as as great partners as well. But uh, we're about to unleash our uh, volunteer program and start securing volunteers, which we've already, you know, received great uh, excitement about, but people aren't able to register yet. So usually what happens is a lot of our corporate uh, partners and local businesses, uh, you know, utilize that for a kind of employee appreciation or employees able to give back uh, uh, to the community. And what a great way to do it through uh, the Women's Final Four, a little bit fun, uh, fun activities that go along with it. Can people still register for to be uh, volunteers? Well, we haven't uh, opened registration yet. That'll happen later uh, this uh, month. Uh, I think end of January registration opens. So, um, and where do people go to do that? Uh, we well, can go to DallasSports.org. Uh, there's a volunteer tab there. 
there's a NCA Women's Final Four um, registration tab there as well. Or we'll post additional information when it is when it is live, as well as uh, you can sign up for our newsletters, sign up to get additional information as a volunteer. Uh, on DallasSports.org, and once that's open, uh, you'll receive an email to go up and sign up to get your shifts. As always with you, Monica, lots of exciting stuff happening. So, 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 way to go! Okay, we got a great one for you today. Back in a moment to talk tennis and Dallas Open. First, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The NCAA Women's Final Four is coming back to Dallas March 31st through April 2nd at the American Airlines Center. Don't miss the electric atmosphere and witness the pinnacle of women's basketball. Learn more at NCAA.com slash Women's Final Four. We'll see you there. We now welcome Jack Sock, winner of four ATP singles titles and 17 doubles titles. He'll be playing in the upcoming Dallas Open at SMU. Jack, thank you for joining the mic drop. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So you made the trip last year for the inaugural Dallas Open. What were your first impressions of the event? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I spent um, a decent bit of time uh, in the Dallas area. Uh, Big fan of it. Uh, obviously a big sports town um, in general, and I think big tennis town uh, as well in general. So I thought the attendance last year was awesome, which um, as the American players, I think I speak for us all, is always fun to play in front of a crowd, have the energy behind you. Um, I thought you never know, kind of first, you know, first year events, um, you know, maybe always a learning curve, uh, new, new, new cities, new venues, but I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, played some great tennis first round, had some fun with John and doubles and, uh, yeah, it was it was a great week. So I'm looking forward to uh, to doing it again here in a few weeks. At the Dallas Sports Commission, they're always aiming to make Dallas a premier sports destination for athletes like yourself. What do you think overall of the city? You just mentioned, you know, it's a great tennis town, but overall, the city is a sports destination. What what were your impressions? I mean, I think it's obviously it's uh, it's one of the best uh, for sure. I mean, you have virtually every sport you can think of. Um, you have the red hot Luka Doncic now um, carrying the Mavs to some uh, incredible basketball. Um, you know, Cowboys in the playoffs, hoping uh, for y'all's sake that they keep going. I'm a Chiefs fan, so uh, maybe we'll see at some point. But um, no, it's uh, overall, I think there's always enthusiasm here. There's always a team doing well. Um, stars are usually always good. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's one of the best for sure. So you mentioned John. Um, he's a friend of the pod. Uh, y'all, you guys played doubles a little bit together. Has he shown you around Dallas? Any any of the food staples that stick out to you? Uh, what what has he uh, shown in Dallas so far? I mean, he's he's always uh, he's always happy to give recommendations. I think he's a little busy these days with his uh, full family and another one on the way now. So uh, I don't think he probably steps out of the house too much for for dinners and stuff. But uh, I'll definitely be leaning on him for some recommendations. Uh, here in a few weeks, probably even you know, go to our dinner at his place. Yeah, some of our some of our favorites here at the mic drop: Nick and Sam's Pecan Lodge. Mika Cena is a is a is a good one. Uh, okay. But speaking of you and John, uh, you know what are what are some of the advantages or disadvantages? You know, y'all play doubles together, but you know, advantages and disadvantages when you play singles against each other. I mean, the only disadvantage really is it's just kind of, I mean, awkward always there for a little bit when you play such a good friend. Um, he's kind of been a, a mentor of mine on tour for a long time now. We spent a lot of time in Tampa together training uh, when I lived down there when I was younger. And 
um, yeah, he's just kind of kind of guy I've leaned on um, a lot. He's he's so professional. He's got his routines down. Uh, obviously, knows the tour now for a long time. So he's you know giving me advice and um, showed me the ropes a little bit. But yeah, we've we've played a bunch now. Um, you know, we've each gotten each other a few times. I think he for sure has a winning record. But it's always a little always a little awkward, you know, at the beginning. But also at the end of the day, you finish the match, give each other a hug, and and uh, I wish I always wish him to do you know do well and do the best. So it's all good. Does your approach change at all whenever you're going into a doubles match versus a singles match? Or is it kind definitely of the same more, approach typically? Definitely more relaxed than doubles. I think, uh, yeah. I think I have a lot more fun with it, which probably is why I've, I've had some good results. You play a lot looser. You play probably in turn play better. Um, singles, you know, can be a little more stressful. You're out there by yourself, you know, your team and everyone on, you know, on the sideline. But um yeah, doubles are usually playing. Yeah, you're playing with a good buddy most of the time, like John or you know some of these guys, and it's just a blast to be out there. Uh, obviously, always being an individual sport, it's fun to finally get a bit of a team atmosphere as well. So you got a wild card to come back to Dallas um, here in a couple of weeks. Um, are you taking a different approach compared to last year? What did you learn from last year that you can apply uh, in, in the coming weeks? Uh, I mean, nothing too different. Um, I mean, working with the working with a new coach now. Uh, I've just uh, yeah, I've put in about a three month off season, uh, I've kind of changed my body, transformed some things, uh, learned some new things as well. Um, you know, about myself kind of, uh, wanted like a full reset going into this year and, and Dallas will be my second stop. So, um, hoping to apply, you know, apply and, uh, and use some new, some new tools and, and, um, yeah, kind of get a fresh start with it. Yeah. Speaking of your fresh start, um, you know, what are some of the goals for 20, for 2023 that you've set for yourself and, you know, what can we expect from Jack Sock this year? Uh, I mean, I mean, in the immediate, just want to get back in the top hundred, obviously, uh, I had a, a rough stretch there with, with injuries and then COVID and kind of basically literally starting over, had no ranking, um, just a couple of years ago. So I feel like I made a good move back, you know, to get right around a hundred, but, um, you know, your schedule and things can change, you know, a bunch if you can get, you know, creep back in the top hundred and get in the slams directly, all that. And then I feel like from there, it's, um, you know, a bit uh, easier, more chances to, um, you know, keep moving forward. So, yeah, I kind of just want to prove to everyone that I am still around um, and, and can still play, you know, some great ball and uh, looking forward to hopefully, you know, a great season and a healthy season. It's well documented that you never lost a match in high school. He talked to us a little bit about like what that was like and uh, kind of kind of take us a little bit through that. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, Kansas, Kansas high school tennis. Uh, it was a blast. I, I honestly enjoyed it. Played all four years. Uh, went to obviously went to a regular high school, uh, was in class and then played. Yeah, all, all four seasons and got to play a couple of years with my brother, which was amazing. Uh, and a bunch of friends and uh my actually my closest loss was almost to my brother i beat him and had to beat him in a 10 point tie break uh one year um and was down in the 10 point breaker so almost snapped my streak but i uh, was able to pull through but gave me some great battles won some state titles uh together as a team so doing that as a family and, and with you know close friends was uh was so fun that's awesome, Jack. Before we let you go, there's a there's a clip from a few years ago that that I wanted to bring up, and it's where you told Leighton Hewitt to challenge a point that was awarded <laughs> to you. You were correct, and you know Hewitt's shot was good. You know what what made you do that, and what was your reaction for like there was it was a it was a big viral moment just for you showing good yeah. sportsmanship. Like, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I, 
I mean, in the moment, it didn't feel, it didn't feel, you know, that weird to do, I guess, or anything. I, the serve was clearly in, um, the match was, it was a really fun crowd. And obviously Leighton was playing in front of his home, home Aussie fans. And so it was a, it was a team uh, event. So I don't know, it kind of just felt right in the moment to, to do. And, and, uh, it was too good of a serve, but yeah, I think the aftermath that the, with the viral, of it. I mean, to this day, still, I feel like it still comes up. People, I, I still see comments and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I was blown away at it. It was kind of my first, um, first like viral, feel like big viral moment. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, uh, something, you know, I can always look back on. It'd be fun to show my kids one day if, if they see it or whatever. And, uh, no, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, to be honest. Well, Jack, we appreciate your time today. We're wishing you the best of luck at the Dallas Open. Um, we, you know, we'll definitely be be in attendance all, all week for you. So we'll be rooting you on from the from the mic drop Dallas headquarters. Thanks for yeah. joining us today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And thank you to the Dallas Tournament for letting me play again the opportunity. Thank you. And we'll throw it over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. The Dallas Open returns to Slinger Altic Tennis Complex Saturday, February 4th through Sunday, February 12th. Dallas welcomes some of tennis's biggest stars as Francis Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, John Isner, Denis Shapovalov, Riley Opeka, and more take to the court to battle to be the newest champ. Tickets are on sale now at DallasOpen.com. And now it's our privilege to welcome back to Mike Drop Dallas, Dan Hunt, the president of FC Dallas, of course, the chairman of our winning World Cup 2026 bid. Uh, this year involved also in the Dallas Open, our upcoming uh, ATP tour stop uh, here in Dallas. Uh, Dan, welcome back to the Mic Drop Dallas. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you all. So, Dan, we're uh, very familiar with your family's uh, powerful legacy within soccer, but your dad, the late Lamar Hunt, uh, also played an important role in uh, tennis. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, his passion for tennis is really an interesting one because um, <clears throat> he didn't grow up playing tennis. His sports were football and baseball. He uh, he would tell you he was a very mediocre football player at SMU, and he played freshman baseball also at SMU when they had a freshman baseball team. Um, but, you know, he was interested by the game. Um, and, you know, obviously the the pageantry around it, especially Wimbledon and, and, what, and what a fantastic tournament it is. But my father had the idea that you could professionalize tennis. Um, a lot of these uh, pros were really they, they they weren't professional. It was they were amateur athletes and they were driving around to the different tennis tournaments. And the stories are really remarkable. But my dad had the idea that. You could create a tournament and a circuit with world championship tennis that paid um, fees to players and really changed the game. And he thought over time with TV money and revenue and ticket sales that uh, you could could uh, create a, a great business. Now, I think he was early um, in that um, WCT didn't make it over the long haul, but he laid the groundwork for what is the modern ATP tour today. So last year, I had the uh, opportunity to attend the Dallas Open uh, with you. Do uh, you play tennis at all, Dan? <laughs> Very poorly is how I play tennis. Um, but I do love the game. And, and you know, it was, it was fun growing up playing with my parents. My mom 
was a pretty good tennis player and she still has her tennis group today, even though she uh, doesn't play. I'm not allowed to say how old she is. Um, she looks like she's about 40, but uh, she, she may be a little bit past that, but she loves the game and she played pretty well. And my dad, it was fun to play with but he was the king of the cheap spin. He'd put the cheapest spin on any shot that he would hit. And it was like, everything was a drop shot. The ball would either just, you know, the bottom would fall out from underneath it, or it would you know, go, go off after uh, it, it first landed in. And then, you know, you could never get to it. I'm like, it was so infuriating as a, as a young person who was a pretty good athlete. I thought I could chase down anything, but you know, the old man taught me some lessons. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was your, uh, I guess, experience at the Dallas Open? What were your thoughts? I mean, I can tell you for years I've been receiving requests. How can we get professional tennis back in, in Dallas? We finally got it last year. What was your overall uh, experience and thoughts on that first year here in Dallas? Yeah, look, for the Dallas Open, this this is a fantastic tournament, and it's so great for our community, and it, it's, you know, a wonderful thing to welcome back major professional tennis to Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, you know, WCT was, was, I think, so important to this area, um, and I think back to those early tournaments and the greats that, you know, were able to, you know, win the tournaments, lift the trophies. I met so many of them, and it was, it made Dallas a little bit of the epicenter of, you know, world tennis, and now to bring back a major tournament um, and to see people, you know, really embrace it and enjoy it. Um, I had a great time there, and obviously um, the stadium and the campus over at SMU is a great place to have it. Um, that was really fun to watch matches there, and, you know, the the facility is just first class. And, um, you know, I think back to even WCT being played at SMU. So that connection is really special for me. But, you know, I'm excited for what this tournament means to the area. <clears throat> it will continue to grow. Top players will come, but it also will help develop top talent in this area, too, because it's something for these young tennis players to aspire to be, to play in front of thousands of people, playing for prize money, playing for trophies. Um, those are the things that inspire uh, young people. And again, it's a great commercial for our city. So we're very, very excited for the first time. The Dallas Open Championship Trophy will be named for your father and features his image. Uh, tell us, Dan, how did that come about? You know, it um, is such an honor to have um, a trophy named after my father. And we have the good fortune that there are several, the <clears throat> AFC Championship Trophy and the, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup in soccer, which is the all um, divisions professional tournament or all division soccer tournament. And now to have, you know, major tennis trophy named after him and his contribution there was a lot of communication back and forth um, between Gina Miller here at FC Dallas um, and, and, you know, with different leadership people with the Dallas Open. And, you know, I think the trophy is a great representation of recognizing the old WCT trophy. Um, the picture that's actually on it is of my father on the SMU campus. And then, you know, on top of the trophy is the Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge. Um, and there's just such a special correlation there. Look, the uh, Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge does a great job of connecting parts of Dallas, and it is iconic. It's really an amazing thing. But her son, Al Hill Jr., was my dad's partner in World Championship Tennis. And so that connection between our families and also now Heather Washburn and Ray Washburn um, helped give the money at SMU for the soccer stadium, too. So you have all of this <clears throat> familial relationship, and it's a great way to honor both of these families on the trophy and their contribution, not just to tennis, but also SMU. 
Yeah, and I think I can speak for Monica when I say we're not surprised to learn that Gina Miller had a hand in uh, making this happen. You know, she's she's one of our absolute uh, favorites. Uh, I began my career with the Dallas Mavericks, you know, in the in the reunion arena days. And people may not remember if you're not as old as as me, maybe that from 1980 to 89, World Championship Tennis was the primary tenant at Reunion Arena. That's, you know, people talk about the Moody Madness game. Well, the reason the game got moved was because tennis was being played at Reunion Arena. And so, again, your dad's legacy, you mentioned football. We've talked about soccer before. Uh, what do you think he would, he was a humble, humble person. What do you think he would make of, of this and, and and that the trophy also reflects his sister uh, with the with the Margaret Hunt Hill bridge being depicted as well as the photo uh, of your dad. What would he make of it? Yeah, he was a humble person until he beat you with one of those terrible drop shots. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and I could see a little bit of a smile creep on his face. No, I look, my dad was a fan of all sports. It really didn't matter what it was, but he was passionate, obviously, about football and soccer, but he was passionate about tennis. Um, you know, and so for it to be back, um, especially at one of his favorite places in the entire world at SMU, I mean, it's just such a, a special connection there. And you're right. I mean, you, you think back to, you know, Moody Coliseum and the games there and then also Reunion Arena. And I, I just have such fond memories of meeting those athletes, both, you know, on the men's game and the women's game. And, you know, I've seen <clears throat> John McEnroe and Chris Everett also talk about and thank my dad for his contribution to the game of tennis and how he really changed it and professionalized it. And <clears throat> obviously his big honor was being inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 1993. So you, you have a guy who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 1972, National Soccer Hall of Fame class of 1982, and International Tennis Hall of Fame class of 1993. And so you 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 know that connection between these sports that he was so passionate about, and by the way, so incredibly diverse um, too. But I think you know he would be proud that you know major professional tennis is back in his hometown. Let's let's shift a little bit to to World Cup. I, I know you went to Qatar for uh, for for uh, the now last year's uh, event. Uh, when the when the bid when the winning news came in, you and Monica were probably the two happiest people on the and relieved people on the on the face of the earth. But I remember this: the headline in the morning news the next day was something about we're going to throw the largest party in the world. Uh, that that you said as the chair. Uh, how have you reflected on it since then? I guess a two-parter. What do you think about your reflections now that some time has gone by? And what did you take from your trip to, to Qatar that can be applied uh, here here uh, when it comes to Dallas-Fort Worth in 2026? Well, first off, we were the two happiest people in the Metroplex. There, there was a little bit of a sigh of relief and, uh, you know, some of that pressure was off, but it, it's right back on because we'll know later this year what matches we get. I think that's um, what FIFA is targeting. Um, and I'm so thrilled for our great city of Dallas to have this opportunity and the rest of the Metroplex to share in this. And yes, we have an opportunity to throw the biggest party, um, you know, with AT&T Stadium and its capacity, plus Choctaw Stadium, plus Globe Life, and then even Texas Life. You could do a ticketed event that could be in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and for people to have that kind of World Cup experience, which would be totally unique to anything that's ever happened before at a World Cup. And we still have a lot of details to work through on that stuff and we're going to see what matches you know we get 
the goal is to get the final here. Um, you know, so I think we will do it in our own unique way. Um, the United States is just already prepared with all the stadiums that we have and the infrastructure and the public transit and then the different activities and hotels. The Qatar bid, and and I, I give them a lot of credit because they they went from nothing um, to hosting a World Cup, and I thought they did a great job with it. It was a unique experience. It was totally different than any other World Cup experience that I've ever had. But they put their best foot forward, um, and you know the stadiums were magnificent. The infrastructure, they did a great job. Public transit, um, you know what? I, I, it was really an interesting experience of how hospitable hospitable the Qatari population was. Um, they were always willing to help answer questions, make sure that you you were, you know, going and doing the right thing, what you were supposed to be doing. And, and so it was really a, a kind of a unique experience, but I think our uh, Texan hospitality will pass that. Um, and, and I'm excited for it to come here, but yeah, they did a great job. I mean, there was a lot, some negativity around it before the tournament and their facilities. And it also seemed that they have an incredibly thoughtful plan post-tournament um, for their facilities. But a lot of the buildings were new, uh, hotels were new. It was really magnificent. That's what I, I can say. And they were truly uh, fortunate to have the greatest match probably ever played. The World Cup final was, I've seen a lot of soccer and there was nothing like it. Um, and for me, maybe the happiest moment of all is that um, Messi is no longer in Maradona's shadow. Um, this player does not deserve to be in anybody's shadow. He clearly is one of the greatest in the world. And for him to, and he, you know, you never know, he says he might play in 2026, but for him to be a World Cup winner now um, and do it in the way that he did it, um, it was just spectacular. Um, and for, if you're not a fan of soccer, I promise you this, you watch that game and you will be a fan of soccer and you'll be really excited for world cup 2026 coming to dallas yeah dan i, I agree with you there i had uh i happened to be in las vegas that weekend and uh the the sports book was jam-packed <laughs> by 6 30 in the morning uh with people uh, lining up to watch that final and i can't tell you the number of people who have never watched soccer before in their life in any sort of form fashion at all uh, tuning into that final and we're like, oh my gosh, that uh, that was amazing. I can't wait to see 2020, what 2026 has to has to offer. So I think Sully took my question in terms of what I what what your experience was in Qatar, but I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and uh, you know what uh, your reflection on some of your athletes and academy players and uh, that were on that USA men's national team and uh, and that performance as we you know continue to grow here over the next three to four years into into twenty twenty six that had to be pretty special for you as well. Yeah, I mean to have that kind of representation from FC Dallas mm -hmm. on the men's national team is <clears throat> a really wonderful thing, and obviously we'd would have liked for Jesus Ferrer to play some more minutes. Um, and, you know, but you had guys contributing Walker, obviously, and, and Kellen Acosta and you had different guys in the games. And, and I'm proud that we continue to develop top talent here. And we just announced that we had three players called into the national team camp here in January, which is big for the, uh, you know, big for us, big for the United States. And then we just had two players called into the under 19 national team, too. So we continue to develop top talents. And if you look at it over FC Dallas over the you know sort of next decade of young players coming through, I think we will have great representation in the 2026 World Cup. And Frankly, I'm proud of our partners um, in Major League Soccer because they continue to develop players. We need 
top young exciting talent playing in major league soccer um and and we we have that it'll compete not just against you know domestic sports leagues but also against international soccer so it was really fun to have that representation and we look forward to having hometown kids represent the you know the united states here when, when the world cups here in 2026 well, Dan, as always, great to talk with you today and uh, spend some minutes. I look forward to connecting on our, our other future planning as we continue on with uh, our quest to host the, the best World Cup in 2026. So uh, look forward to talking to you here in the next few weeks. Thanks, Monica. Thanks for the Thank time. You. I really enjoyed it today. Perfect. Thank you. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. All right, you won't want to miss the action as season two of Athletes Unlimited Basketball takes place at Fair Park Coliseum from February 23rd through March 25th. The world-class roster includes WNBA stars Natasha Cloud, Alicia Gray, Nalissa Smith, 2022 WNBA champion Sydney Colson, and more. All Athletes Unlimited game days will include access to two games, autograph opportunities, and a chance to shoot on the court. Get your tickets today at AUProSports.com. Now we are so pleased to be joined here on Mike Drop Dallas by acclaimed tennis reporter and stadium host Blair Henley joining us from North Fort Worth. Happy to have her, a tennis lifer. Blair grew up in Florida, the son of a tennis pro, starred at Rice University, go Owls. In fact, led the Owls to their first uh, Sun uh, Conference USA in those days, I believe, right? right. Uh, conference championship in tennis on her way to becoming the first tennis player to be named the uh woman's student athlete of the year at rice so that that was uh that was that was a nice accomplishment uh her instructional videos on youtube it's been a few years but they have over a million views so check that out uh, and then she became the go-to stadium host and interviewer uh at, at tennis stops all around the world of course the second edition of our atp tour stop the dallas open arrives on February 4th, runs through the 12th at the Steislinger All-Tech Tennis Center at SMU. There, Blair will be hosting and interviewing players on the court, having all kinds of fun. Blair, welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. Uh, thank you so much for that intro. That <laughs> It was nice to be reminded of some of those things. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've done okay for yourself. Now, we know people who go to Rice that tend to be, you know, intelligent. Uh, <laughs> You know, Monica and I are both a couple of state school, you know, graduates. Uh, you were a double major in econ and management. You could have done almost anything. Take us through your journey a little bit and how you ended up, you know, back in tennis. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I graduated from Rice and had no idea what I wanted to do. It was the the question of, do you follow what your passion is? Do you go with what you just spent four years studying do you, do you just find a job that sounds good on paper? And, uh, you know, I initially actually did get one of those jobs that sounded good on, on paper in, in pharmaceutical sales and went through the interview process, got the job and then thought to myself, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, and ended up spending some time teaching tennis actually. Um, and it was during that time that I decided, you know what, my my dad's a tennis pro, as you said, I grew up in the tennis world. I love this sport, um, got started with a, a local tennis club that was starting up in Houston, got to kind of learn the back end of that business. And then I got married and my husband, Tyler, was was playing 
minor league baseball. And it's really hard to have a normal job uh, when you're living that life out of your car. And that's when I started writing. Um, I started doing some tennis writing for um, a, a tennis website. And here we are today. That was about 12 years ago. <laughs> and Tyler, of course, uh, once upon a time, a Cardinals draft pick and and uh, made a good run at it. I actually looked up his numbers and uh, hit 280 for his minor league career with a bunch of home runs. So so way to go. A little shout out for Tyler uh, as, <laughs> sure as well. <laughs> yeah, my exhaustive research getting ready for this for this interview, Blair. So you were here last year. It was the first time the ATP tour came through Dallas uh, in, in many, many, many years. What were your impressions of the inaugural Dallas Open uh, last February? I mean, it blew me away. I, I've seen other first year events take some time to get momentum, to get the rhythm behind the scenes um, for the players to decide they want to come and play at a certain site. There, there was no false start at the Dallas Open last year. It was full steam ahead. It was packed from qualies, which is, again, not something you see at every tournament. And, and I've been privileged to work at, at many of them. I remember actually talking to one of the players who qualified for the main draw last year, Liam Brody, uh, during qualies. So it was after his first or second qualifying match. And he said, I don't know that I've ever played a qualifying match in front of this many people. Um, so that's it's not only a treat for the players, but it's great for the fans. Those qualifying matches are an incredible way to get up close and personal with players who might, I mean, there are qualifiers who end up winning tournaments. Um, so you might be able to get up close and personal with, with a player who ends up doing really big things in 2023. What, uh, uh, another strong field th this year highlighted world number one, world number nine, Taylor Fritz, number 17, Francis Tiafo, who of course captivated us all the U S open last fall. Defending champion Riley Opelka, friend of the pod, Dallas's own John Isner. But before we get to the competition, uh, Tiafo has 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 also been known to make fashion statements on the court. So you know, Dallas, we love big events. We love coming out to get the whole package. So with Tiafo, there's even a, a fashion interest here. Talk a little bit about his uh, what he what he the flair that he brings to the game. And this is a really good player. He sure is um, a, a great person, too. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch on the court. He's fantastic off the court as well. Um, I've been lucky enough to get to know him over the years. But yes, you mentioned the fashion. He stepped out in Australia wearing a Nike kit. Uh, psychedelic is maybe the word I would use to describe it. I can't really do it justice in words. You'll have to go to Google Images and check it out for yourself if you haven't already. Uh, it was funny, his, his girlfriend actually posted, and she's a former player herself, she posted a video of him trying it on, this outfit. They decided to go with it. She said, I think you should go with it. I love how it looks. And it was polarizing. Some people loved it. I personally love it. Why, why make tennis kits boring? Let's have fun out there. Let's have some self-expression on the court. Why not? Um, some people weren't a huge fan, but that's that's what I love about tennis. Um, fashion seems inconsequential, but on the flip side, it's one of the really neat things about tennis as a sport. You're not walking out there in a uniform. You are walking out there and granted, much of it is limited by what whoever your sponsor is gives you to wear. But there is some individuality in that. And that's, you know, part of what we love about an individual sport. 
Well, Blair, I think it's a great fit uh, for for Dallas, uh, especially the the fashion angle as well, because uh, we do like to uh, get dressed up here uh, uh, from a community <laughs> standpoint. But I'll go back to I've been here at the Sports Commission to for about 14 years, just over 14 years. And uh, I can't tell you the number of phone calls that I received about when are we going to have a major tennis event back in Dallas? When are, you know, uh, we don't have a major tennis event. So I can tell you that uh, last year's event was uh, a lot of passionate fans out there. I, I got to witness that that as well. Uh, and I, I agree with you. It uh, was a great first year event, not like your typical. So uh, moving into year two, uh, what are you looking forward to from from this year's tournament? Uh, you know, I think the fans know what they're getting. I think the fans who were there last year were probably really quick to get their tickets for this year because, as you guys know, there's not a bad seat in the house. It's it's not a massive stadium. Uh, you you feel like you are on the court watching. You get a really incredible sense of the athleticism of these players, how fast the ball is going. Um, for for those who might have seen the face off, uh, I believe it was in the semis between Riley Opelka and John Isner last year. They had played the longest tie break in the history of the ATP tour dating back to 1990, if I'm remembering correctly, but to be able to see those serves, you know, from feet away is absolutely incredible. But I think people are going to have to be quick to get their tickets because the word is out there. There's no more. Hey, I, there's, is there something happening? There's a tennis thing happening. I think people know now. So I think I'm expecting again, maybe even more so than last year. I think the stands are going to be full from, day one. Um, I think those people, I, I did a lot of in-stadium promotions and there were people who were there who bought those week-long packages who were in the same seats all day, every day. I was like, that. those are the kind of tennis fans that I love to see. So I'm expecting to see more of that. I think uh, I've heard there are maybe going to be some changes in how the stadium is set up in terms of having some more of those uh, sort of sweet like feel or the box seat feel uh, for some of the fans who are interested in that experience as well. Um, and listen, as sort of the stadium entertainment, we do promotions in the stands, we do some giveaways, we do some fun games with the fans. And also uh, part of my job is to try to keep it interesting with the post-match interviews and allow the fans to get to know these players just a little bit better. Um, and again, I think once you've been to the tournament, you kind of know where to hang out for the autographs. If you want to say hi or wave or high five a player, you're going to have the opportunity to do that, which is one of the things I love about ATP 250 tournaments because it's a little smaller, the players are chill, um, and you really get an up close and personal feel. So Blair, last year we had uh, ESPN's Brad Gilbert on for a very fun conversation. Uh, he talked a lot about Dallas being a, a really strong tennis market. Uh, what are your impressions? Uh, I've I've been incredibly pleasantly surprised. I moved here about six years ago from Houston, which also has a, a great tennis community. And, and I work the U.S. men's clay court tournament in Houston as well. Uh, so didn't really know what to expect when I moved up north. And it kind of takes a minute to to get incorporated into the tennis community. But gosh, in particular, over the past few months, seeing the turnout in Fort Worth for the WTA finals uh, last February, seeing this first year event in Dallas have no problem uh, getting off the ground and, and doing incredibly well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just so, it's such a pleasant surprise to me as a tennis lover, a, a lifer, as you said, that's a perfect way to describe me. Uh, and it's nice to be around my people. So 
as a as a stadium host, uh, you have a very fun style. Seem to have a very comfortable rapport with the players. Uh, how do you prepare for for each tournament? Yeah, you know, I I write the bios for the players. So while they're warming up, just to give the fans a little bit of background, that's actually good a good refresher for me. Um, having to go back and write out all those stats and how high they've been ranked in the tournaments that they won. So so there's prep involved in that. Um, but for me, as far as the post-match interviews go, I really try to read a lot of transcripts from other tournaments. Um, I try to watch, you know, the Australian Open is going on right now. I watch as many of those post-match interviews as I can, uh, just because kind of it could be one sentence or getting an idea of what they're doing off the court or what they were thinking on the court that can help me, um, try to think of an interesting way to pose a question for my post-match interviews. So again, Tennis Twitter is a very valuable resource. Those hardcore tennis fans who are staying up all night to watch the Australian Open matches, uh, I thank them. I am not staying up all night. I am staying up later than usual, but not all night. But again, just kind of staying in touch. And there's also, I don't know if you guys have seen it, the new Breakpoint Netflix tennis show, um, which debuted on January 13th. So People are talking about tennis, which is a great thing. Um, social media is extremely valuable. The players' social media, as well as the fans' social media. You, you've interviewed, you know, the absolute greats of the game, Serena, Roger Federer. We could go on and on. You have a favorite moment uh, from cool. from one of those interviews. You've had some emotional ones, including with Serena. Uh, what what which which ones stand out as your as your favorites or most memorable? Gosh, I think there's one that will probably always stand out for me. Uh, and that was a few years ago at Indian Wells. Uh, I had a player uh, named Dennis Shapovalov, Canadian, on my court. And he was still sort of a, a young gun at that point. He's more of an established name now. But he was known to rap in his spare time. And <laughs> I had him on my court and I asked him about uh, you know, how rapping is a release for him off the court. And he thought when I was asking the question that I was going to ask him to rap on the spot. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that to you. But can we make a deal? If you're on this court again and you win another match, will you rap for us? And he said, I'll do it. And I'm thinking not in a million years, the odds at a tournament that big of him to end up back on the court that I was on and for him to win the match were very low. And lo and behold, I see the, the schedule of play come out. Denis Shapovalov is back on my court. He gets the win over, I believe, Marin Cilic, who was a, a good player. It was not a gimme match whatsoever. And uh, not only was he ready to rap, he, he had prepared. He wrote a rap in preparation for possibly winning this match, which he then performed on the court for us and and the the stadium that I work at at Indian Wells is not one of the massive ones so the the fans who had come to the stands that day got such a treat because they're front row for this I mean when do you ever see players doing something like that on the court never so it was a really neat moment um I hope Dennis looks back on it and thinks it was a neat moment because the reviews were mixed on, on his performance uh but that one will always stand out for me well, you put Dennis on the spot, and hopefully that's on YouTube somewhere. We'll have to we'll have to look for that. Uh, you put Dennis on the spot. We'd like to put you on the spot as we let you before we let you go. And you want to make a prediction about who you think can walk away with the uh, with the championship, or at least who might meet in the final. What do you who do you like? Ooh, man. Well, 
I'll say overall, I think this is going to be a really great showcase for American players. There are, I believe, 13 Americans uh, in the draw right now. There could be more after Qualies finish. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Ben Shelton make a run, uh, just 20 years old, turned pro last summer, just won his first round match at the Australian Open. He, he's had a meteoric rise, and I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch. Um, so who knows? What, why not see you know a, a Ben in the final against, I don't know, Taylor Fritz? Taylor had a rough go in Dallas last year, so we'll see if he can improve on that. I'd also love to see Riley Opelka uh, be able to get a couple matches under his belts. He had uh, surgery last year, hasn't played in a while, um, but I know he likes the feel of the indoor court. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's always a great interview, which, as you guys know, in our line of work, that's that's pretty great. So hoping to see Riley get some matches under his belt. And, of course, John, gosh, last year, last year the guys were calling him the mayor, the mayor of Dallas, <laughs> because... He, uh, he yeah, no, I, he seemed to know just about everyone. Uh, I, I asked John, I was like, what, what's the ticket request list look like for you? Like, what are the texts coming in looking like? And he's like, there are no tickets to be had. Like it's, it's sold out. I can't get people tickets. So, uh, so again, it's, he's such a great ambassador for the game and it'll be fun to see him. Well, you are well. too, uh, Blair, this has really been fun. And for, for our listeners, you know, go to DallasOpen.com and get your tickets while you still can. You're not only going to see great tennis, you're going to be entertained by Blair Henley in the stands and and with those on-court interviews. Monica, we knew Blair would be fun, but this was really fun. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 we really appreciate you, you, you coming on. Uh, and again, DallasOpen.com for, for, for tickets. So on behalf of Monica and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Blair for joining us and our other guests. Thanks to our Mic Drop Dallas production crew, uh, our, our producers, Icy Strain and Marcus Next Level Car, uh, uh, ran over at Vocal, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.